life of fulfillment starts with understanding your values. And when you know what truly motivates you, you can accomplish extraordinary things. Welcome to the Discover Your Values podcast, where each week we hear unique perspectives on human values with leaders who inspire us to explore the depth of our potential. Now, here's your host, Jacob J. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today, we have with us Keith Carlson. Keith is a nurse. He's also a coach, and we're going to have a wonderful conversation with him today about values and values in nursing. Keith, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jacob. I'm so pleased to be here with you. And I'm so glad that you could join us. So, Keith, you are involved in a lot of different things. So tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing today. You know, I've been a nurse for a couple decades, but I have not been working clinically for a couple years because I'm now self-employed as a nurse entrepreneur. And I focus on providing career coaching, what I call holistic career coaching for nurses, nurses all over the United States and even beyond the United States. And Aside from that, I write professionally, I speak on stage, I podcast, and do a lot of other fun things that all involve supporting nurses and healthcare workers in general. That's awesome. What's one thing that people don't know about nurses? One thing most people don't know is only about 50 to 60% of nurses here in the United States work in hospitals. Because if you ask the average person on the street, what does a nurse do? And they'll probably say, oh, he or she works in the hospital taking care of sick people. That's where many people encounter nurses, but nurses are also entrepreneurs like myself. I know nurse filmmakers, nurse writers, nurse artists, nurse podcasters, nurse consultants. Then there's the whole world of nurse practitioners and advanced practice registered nurses. So there's a lot more to nursing than the general public normally understands, but it's not their fault because how do you know if someone doesn't tell you? Yeah, so it's a pretty diverse field. It sure is, much more than most people give it credit for, including a lot of nurses, I must say. In your view, how has the field of nursing changed today or different today you know, from the past? That's a good question. One is what I just mentioned, that Many, many nurses are now working as entrepreneurs, either with a side hustle while they still work a regular job, or they're full bore self employed like myself. Many nurses, unlike the past, are in many states, especially here in the US, are nurse practitioners who are allowed to practice without any oversight or supervision by a physician. So, nurse practitioners have gained a lot of autonomy in the last five to 10 years, and it's increasing all the time. That's something that's really changed in nursing. The other thing that's really changed is that robotics, artificial intelligence, and technology is infiltrating more and more into healthcare. So, nurses have to be increasingly conversant and have facility with various types of software and hardware. So, it's becoming a rather technologically oriented profession to a large extent. And I would imagine that's a that's a lot to learn. I mean, that's a lot to take on, even as I think about in my own business and just trying to keep up with the day-to-day things. But then the healthcare is about emerging tech and there's so much new stuff everybody's trying to keep up with. That's right. And it's changing all the time. For instance, 
electronic medical records have become a thing, right? They're a thing almost everywhere. You rarely see paper charts anywhere anymore. There are still some places, but there's many, many different ones, and nurses have to keep accustoming themselves to different interfaces. But there's one that's emerging as the top one that everyone's learning now. And in five years, that one might be gone. There might be a new one. So we really have to keep up. And we have to keep up with changes in healthcare, you know, medications, treatments, diagnoses, those sorts of things. But then there's the tech as well. So nurses have a lot to think about. And as the largest segment of the healthcare system, especially here, but I think in other countries too, they carry a lot of the weight of the day-to-day care. So they have a lot to be held accountable for and to hold themselves accountable for. What do you think is some of the most exciting work being done in the field of nursing? Well, like I said, I would go back to this whole idea of advanced practice registered nurses. So many listeners may know or may have heard that there's a shortage of primary care physicians in the United States and other countries too, but it's pretty bad here. And that goes to a large extent to underserved populations in rural areas and the inner cities where physicians don't want to practice, most likely because they can't make much money and physicians have huge debt loads. So nurse practitioners are stepping into that space and providing the primary care that physicians aren't necessarily able to provide for everyone. And I think that's a really exciting development, along with this increase in autonomy, NPs being able to practice on their own. They can hang their own shingle and bill insurance, for instance, and do all those things that they're trained to do. This is a legislative battle in every state, because each state has to amend its Nurse Practice Act to allow advanced practice nurses to to have this autonomy. So there's a lot of politics involved, but I think it's an exciting time for APRNs because they can accomplish so much and serve their communities in such really important ways right now. And I think that's super exciting. It really has been such a big change from over the last couple of decades, because now you have all of these kind of doc in the box, which are really kind of nurse in the box, and you can get healthcare in a lot of places, you know, that we weren't able to do before with, you know, all of the pharmacies. And I I even remember when I was working in corporate, you know, we had a, a local kind of medical office that had a nurse practitioner in it. And that made such a world of difference for three or four or 5,000 people that were working on campus to have a rotation of you know, three or four nurses that were always on campus, you know, to kind of handle immediate things. So it, it seems like, you know, the, the nursing field really has expanded in, in ways that, you know, maybe perhaps were not thought possible, you know, 30 years ago, because it's just, it really has just grown so well. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so true. Well, you know, what role does one's personal values play in nursing and in healthcare at large? Because this is a question I talk about a lot with other healthcare professionals, it's something that's top of mind for a lot of healthcare professionals? Well, when a person chooses to become a healthcare professional, whether it's a doctor, a physical therapist, whatever it happens to be, whatever the role, your values play a large part in that choice, first of all. So we don't generally go into nursing for the awesome money and the sexy outfits and the great shoes. (laughs) I mean, that's not why we choose nursing. 
Generally, we choose it because we're people who enjoy and get something out of being of service to others. Nursing is not where people go to make the big bucks, though some NPs and nurses can make a decent living depending where they're working and living. But I think the values, beyond just the value that leads you to a life of service in the medical field or nursing field, there's so many values that play a part here. One is the value of not doing harm to anyone, and that's instilled in us in nursing school. You know, do no harm is what doctors are taught as well. So being able, one, to be of service, two, not to hurt or kill anyone, which is a great thing to bear in mind when you're treating Mm -hmm. patients, and other values come to bear as well. We do have religious values that affect healthcare in some places here in the U.S. and elsewhere. So there may be nurses who are uncomfortable with different types of birth control or abortion, et cetera. So their values, their ethics might keep them from working for a certain provider or a certain institution because they provide services that that person disagrees with. And I'm not going to pass judgment on them. That is definitely their choice. And religious values are important to so many people around the world, and I honor those. So we also have values around how patients are treated, how children are treated, or how patients who are on the transgender spectrum are treated. You know, that's a big issue right now. You know, back in the day, it was the whole thing around how to treat people who are, who are gay or lesbian or bisexual, and how do we approach them, and how do we talk to them. And now we have this whole burgeoning field of transgender health, and Our values and our morals play a huge part in how we approach those individuals and those communities. So my values dictate to me that I treat every person equally and that I also try to understand where someone's coming from. I'm not a big believer in cookie-cutter healthcare, and most healthcare providers are not. So when I'm going to go back to this notion of someone who's transgender, you have a person who is on the transgender spectrum walk into, say, a clinic. And this person who will, let's say, is a trans man, a woman who is transitioning to be, to, to be male, walks in and has facial hair, is doing testosterone replacement, etc., presents as a man, but comes in for his annual pap smear. So how does the person behind the counter doing the intake usually a medical assistant or administrative assistant, how are they going to treat this apparent man who's coming in for a GYN exam? Are they going to make him feel uncomfortable? Are they going to make him feel that somehow he's offending their values, for instance? So we have to really think clearly about what our values are. And sometimes we have to set them aside because they're different from those we work with or the people we serve. And then also, We need to make sure that the way we're practicing and the way that the institution for which we work practices and dictates practice, that it is aligned with our values. And many ethical and moral dilemmas come up in healthcare and nursing all the time. This is fascinating. I mean, I'll be honest, I've never thought this deeply about this role of values in healthcare to this extent until we're having this conversation now. But No charge. (laughs) I'm thinking as you're talking too, like there are so many things that are playing out socially and politically in the media around values, ethics, morals, all these types of things, a lot on the topics that you've mentioned. 
and I'm having this aha moment as you're saying this, that this stuff also has to play out in hospitals and healthcare too, because it's, there's people, you know, working in these environments too, that, and everybody's coming to the situation, you know, from different backgrounds or for different reasons. Right. So if you grew up in Manhattan and were exposed to the gay and transgender community, for instance, and you witnessed gay pride parade and whatever, and it's just normal to you. Maybe you went to gay clubs as a young person, even though you were straight, for instance. That is part of your world, and you just accept it. It's just what people do, and it's the way certain people choose to live. If you grew up, let's say, in rural, I don't know, Arkansas or Utah or even rural New Jersey, it doesn't really matter. Say you grew up in a place where that wasn't normal, and you go away to college, and you're now you're exposed to lifestyles and choices that never crossed your path before. How are you going to integrate those into your value system? What kind of cognitive dissonance are you going to experience, let's say, if that's against maybe the religious upbringing that was instilled in you as a child growing up? And how are you then going to accommodate the needs of patients, for instance, who have needs that are not terribly aligned with what you think is right or moral. So there's difficult dilemmas that happen. And then also think about a nurse working beside another nurse and their values are very different. They come from very different places. Maybe one comes from rural Arkansas and one comes from Manhattan. And they have very different life experiences in the ways they grew up and the influences that made them who they are. And they may be faced with the same patient, the same family scenario in that hospital room and approach it in a very different way. Wow. Yeah. So this is a lot to, lot to work through. I mean, it, I mean, on top of the, you know, the things that you have to learn just to be a nurse and work in healthcare and the technology, but you really, depending on where you're working, there's just an element of the human experience that you've You've either got to embrace or you're either working in perhaps nursing in a, in a different kind of way or something. Exactly. And, you know, we all have to come to terms with our own belief systems. And then we also have to come to terms with the ways in which our belief systems don't necessarily mesh with those around us. Or maybe they do mesh with those around us. And when we can find that sweet spot, of working in an institution or for an employer where our values have meaning and where they're honored and where we feel that we can practice to the full extent of what we're capable of and we can practice in the way that speaks to our values, then I think that's where the rubber hits the road where really awesome care can take place. As you say this, I'm thinking too, like, if I go back to my own work experience of like working on a in a big corporation and I look at shared values, you know, big corporations have, you know, work that they do on values and shared values. And even in a big company, the values are very different from employee to employee. But the people that you're, you know, you're working with every day, there are some similarities in that we all work in a corporation and working on business kind of things. And, and when I think about like a healthcare environment, it makes me think to some extent, and feel free to correct me on this, that there's a level of diversity in the healthcare environment that, as I think about my corporate experience, that I probably didn't have because I think healthcare, you get the full cradle of humanity because everybody's coming into the hospital. 
but not everybody's coming into my office environment like in a corporation. And so I'm, I feel like my exposure there is limited. And I feel this could be true for a lot of different types of normal business environments where it's just kind of a clustering of, you know, people that have all, you know, focused, studied marketing and, you know, they work in business and, you know, they're all about optimizing the revenue. But in a hospital or in a healthcare setting, it really is, it's everybody. That's so true, right? It's the press of humanity walking into a hospital or a clinic or a physician or nurse practitioner's office or an ambulatory surgery center or the patients who we see in home health and hospice when we go to their homes. I've worked in home health. The majority of my 23 years of nursing has been in home health. And so I've been in many, many, many homes in the city, in the country, in the suburbs. I've been in the homes of gang members who have, you know, bullet wounds that I'm dressing after they've had surgery. I've worked with nonagenarians, you know, who are suffering from cancer or some debilitating disease. So, you know, there's that huge spectrum. And in healthcare, you're right. Everyone comes to the table at some point or another, most everyone anyway, or at least a huge swath of humanity. So you have to be able to, to bend, be flexible, be willing to pivot, and sometimes be willing to set your own values aside if it's in the best interest of the patient and the situation and you're not doing any harm. Like, for instance, the nurse who maybe doesn't feel really good about birth control, but decides that she's going to just swallow her pride and work with this patient around family planning, even though the nurse doesn't feel comfortable with it. So she's setting her values aside in the interest of her patient's well-being. That's a hard thing to do. And in healthcare, I think more than many other industries, like you said, we need to be able to do that. And then we also need to be able to say, you know what? this is against my values or this is an ethical dilemma and this needs to go to the ethics committee at the hospital because I am not comfortable with what we're planning to do. So ethics committees, ethics panels, they're often called, are very important. And this is where people can bring their values and their concerns and their cognitive dissonance and say, wait a second, we need to talk this through. This is, we need an ethics specialist to be able to walk us through this particular decision-making process. Wow. This is fascinating. I love this. This is really, really fascinating. This is a depth of, of healthcare that I've, I've not seen before. Yeah. Well, you have to really be in it to know it. There might be some journalists out there who've covered healthcare. It's kind of like journalists who've been in war zones understand war unlike anyone else because they've actually been there other than the soldiers themselves, the military personnel. So it's just like that in healthcare. If you've been standing in that emergency room covered in blood as you're trying to save someone's life, that's a different experience than many people have at any time in the course of their life. I want to switch gears here for a second and talk about continuing down this path of personal values, but there was an article that was published in the Journal of the American Geriatric Society. It was titled, New Geriatrics Research Offers Roadmap to Revolutionary Change for Person centered care. And it was all around how like there was kind of this values-based approach to this kind of patient-centered care or values-based healthcare, which is sort of what we've been talking about. You know, this idea that how do your values show up in your work and how does it apply to the patient? My dad was in hospice, I guess a little over a couple of years ago. And this question came up for us. 
when you're kind of facing end of life and what values are important to you. But I'm curious what you think around how this will continue to evolve and change. And, and my takeaway from the article, and especially in this particular demographic where they're talking about geriatric medicine, someone who, as they are getting older, is having to make a lot of decisions, you know, around kind of end of life or getting closer to, you know, to that moment or in the final stages of, you know, our golden years. And I know that when I, I actually took in my dad, so he was, he had stage four lung cancer. And I remember when he got diagnosed that everything just happened kind of fast. I mean, we, we were quickly kind of sucked into a system and protocols, you know, of, we need to be on these chemo treatments. We need to do this, show up here for this, do this. And so we were in and out of the hospital every other day. And then he was in and out of the emergency room every other day because we were having like pain crisis. And we did this for over, I mean, we did this probably for a month and a half. And then, then he went on to hospice because there, there came a moment where, we, where I had to sit him down in our last visit you know, to at the emergency room and we'd gotten him stable from the last pain crisis. And I had this moment where I had to kind of pull away from the day-to-day, okay, we're going to all these appointments. We're in and out of the emergency room every other day. What are we doing? That was my biggest question. Like, what are we doing? Because it feels like we are, you know, we're reaching a moment now where if we're in and out of, you know, the ER every other day, this probably isn't a good sign. And I asked him point blank. I said, Dad, what's important to you at this point? Good question to ask. What is important to you? Because I think what's happened is that everything just moves so quickly that we just kind of accepted what was given to us. Not that it was bad or that the doctors were and nurses were doing anything wrong it's just if you go into a hospital with a problem you know they're gonna it's gonna try to be fixed or it's gonna try to be worked on and there's there's protocol for all that that you just kind of you kind of go into an engine and it kind of works its way but we weren't taking a step back in any of that process to say well what really matters because i think i feel like right now you know we've probably got days left you know, and it was stressing him out to be going in and out of the hospital all the time and having to show. He just physically could, couldn't do it anymore. And I feel like we weren't having that question or that conversation around what's important. And he's like, you know what? I actually just would like to go home. And if somebody could come to the house and give us the pain medicines and I can watch TV, you know, and paint, you know, and that was all he wanted. And I thought, you know, this is a huge revelation. I was like, this is... And so I really loved this article in this journal because it's about a lot of those things where it's like, pump the brakes, you know, when you're maybe administering a lot of things. And let's figure out, like, really what is important in this moment? Because I think when we got down to the last few emergency room visits, it was like, okay, there's, there's something else going on here. It isn't just that we're coming into the emergency room for pain treatment. There's something bigger and greater going on in kind of this end stage here, and we need to figure out what that is. And, and, and we got to the bottom of it, and he wanted to go into hospice the next day. And, so, and that made a huge difference in just quality of life around you know, the days that he had left. 
I'm curious what you think about how we get more of this type of thing within within the process of healthcare. Well, first, I want to just acknowledge and reflect that you went through a very difficult passage with your dad. And asking that question was brilliant on your part. And it's so wonderful that you put that question to him. Because what often happens is that the patient, well, you're right. You said they enter into the engine of healthcare, right? So healthcare can run roughshod over a patient if we're not careful. Because we have all our best intentions, and those include the values that are informing our best intentions, right? But our best intentions, you know, we're taught in healthcare to do no harm, but we're also taught that we're there to heal people, to get people better. And that's where Americans in particular have had a really hard time accepting hospice, even though the hospice movement started back in the late 60s and 70s here in the US. People aren't comfortable talking about death. They're not comfortable about writing their wills, making their choices known. How many people end up brain dead or on a ventilator and the family has no idea what that person wants because they never wrote it down, never talked to anyone about it. And that can end up in the courts. And we've seen some very difficult cases go to court in that particular way, like with people who are in comas and no one can decide what to do with them. And one family member wants them unplugged. The other family member doesn't want them unplugged, wants to leave them on life support indefinitely. There's a film I want to recommend to you and also to your listeners, and it is called WIT, W-I-T, and it's by the producer and director Mike Nichols, who's a very, very famous director. The star is Emma Thompson. Many people know who Emma Thompson is, a brilliant British actress. And basically, she's this philosophy professor, very vehemently, fiercely independent, And she has to do a big reassessment because she has terminal ovarian cancer. And she gets enrolled in a trial by her doctor, her oncologist, who basically usurps her own self-advocacy, her own sense of agency. And the whole system just basically runs her over. And the only person actually listening to her and looking at her is the nurse. And it is an amazing film. It was first a play. And then it was made into a film. And Emma Thompson was also in the play. So I highly recommend watching Wit from 2001 by Mike Nichols with Emma Thompson. So that film actually addresses a lot of these questions. And we really need to be super careful how we approach these situations. And when someone is facing death, many physicians and non-physicians, nurses as well, don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about what's going on because they want to fix that one thing. There's another film. It's one of my favorite films of all time, My Dinner with Andre from the early 80s. It's basically two men sitting at a dinner table eating a meal and talking, but it's quite fascinating. I watch it over and over. And there's one scene where Andre is talking about his dad. No, his mom. His mom is dying. His dad is there. And the surgeon comes out because she had a problem with her hand. And the surgeon says, well, don't we have a lot to be thankful for? Isn't her hand doing great? And meanwhile, Andre says, this surgeon is basically committing a psychic murder on my dad because my dad sees his wife dying, but all the surgeon sees is the hand. So 
that's a metaphor for how we don't always see the forest for the trees or vice versa. And healthcare becomes so siloed. We're all in our own little silos and wheelhouses. So the surgeon thinks the hand is great. The hematologist thinks her blood looks really good. But the hospice team says she's dying. <laughs> so there, these conundrums come up all the time. And you need people with strong sense, with a strong sense of values and ethics and or morals who can stand up and say, hey, wait a second, stop the train. We need to have a conversation. And if you all don't want to talk about it, I'm sending it to the ethics committee and then you'll have to talk about it. So we need people to bring their values to the table because otherwise we're letting anyone else who's letting their values run the show not taking into account all the other choices that are possible. I definitely want to check out these videos. They sound, these movies sound great and uh, I think very enlightening. So I'll definitely uh, check those out and I'll post a link in the, in the podcast for the, for the listeners. That's great. Thank you for, for those. How does a nurse remain true to him or herself, you know, throughout a career? Cause there's just a tremendous amount of pressure in the field and, you know, when do, when do you reach a point where you have to kind of reevaluate your priorities? That can happen at any time. So your priorities coming out of nursing school may get flipped on their head as soon as you enter the actual fray of healthcare as a licensed nurse. You might have all these ideas and aspirations about patient-centered care and providing the best care you possibly can. And then you work walk into a unit where you're slapped with eight patients and all you can possibly do is give them their meds kind of on time and maybe answer a couple call lights and you're done. That's all you can possibly accomplish. So sometimes, and well, no, not sometimes, often nurses reach out to me by email or phone or whatever and they say, look, I love being a nurse. My workplace is killing me. It is, we're not providing the care that I was trained to give. I am not able to be the nurse I want to be, and I want to quit because this isn't working. And I often, the first thing I say is, well, let's look at your environment. Is this the right environment for you? Do you want to be in acute care where you're slapped with seven patients and you can barely think straight and you don't get lunch or break or even a glass of water for 12 hours, right? Is, does that provide the best care? a nurse who can't even like take time to pee or have a glass of water in 12 hours. So sometimes I say, look, we just have to find you an environment where you feel like you can actually provide the kind of care that speaks to your heart or to your values, to use your language. So we often have to reevaluate, one, depending on the population of patients we work with, two, the type of milieu where we're working. Is it home health? Is it hospice? Is it a surgical center? Is it an ER or ICU or trauma? Those all have a different culture. So, you know, a hospital has an overarching corporate culture, but then every unit has a culture. Every team within a unit has a culture. The culture of the night staff might be different than the culture of the day staff. And I think corporate culture and this kind of team culture is greatly impacted by our level of emotional intelligence our values, what we bring to the table. And there are microcultures and macrocultures. And if you want to work in healthcare, you've got to find a place where you feel like you're not 
going against your basic intrinsic values or you're going to burn out and you're going to feel horrible about yourself. I'm curious for nurses that are feeling the burn, are there nursing safe havens within the nursing field that are like places that you might go, you know, different types of nursing roles and different fields of nurse in the field of nursing that are maybe more manageable? Sure. And also, again, this goes back to the individual. So one person might be super comfortable in the ER. Their values speak to the fact that they don't want to have long-term relationships with patients. They want to see them, treat them, stabilize them, and move on to the next patient. So for some nurses, that's what they want. They like the adrenaline. They like the, the blood and the guts and the the stress, they actually get off on the stress. It's actually like for them, it's you stress. It's the kind of stress that feeds them. And saving lives and patching people up is the be all and end all for a lot of people who do that kind of work. Or think of a nurse who's a flight nurse who is on a helicopter or fixed wing craft with a paramedic and a pilot or an EMT and a pilot, and they're flying to mountaintops to rescue people. Like They love doing that. That that speaks to their values. What they value is going out there and saving people in great distress in far-flung places. And then for someone like me, where my values led me was going into a patient's home and having a seat and having an hour to spend with them, not 15 minutes, and getting to know the family and you know, getting to know the dog and, you know, hanging out and having tea with my patient's wife and getting to know the cousins who stopped by with flowers and food. And, you know, that spoke to my values. It's like, I'm a highly relational, emotionally intelligent person and relationships are one of the engines on which my life runs. So I always went into a form of nursing wherever I went that was highly relational because that's what floated my boat, right? So a safe haven, there is no safe haven for everyone because it all depends what you want. Some nurses want to work at home in front of a computer with a phone, case managing patients for an insurance company, patients they'll never meet, but who they'll talk to on the phone once a week or every other week. That speaks to them. And they're home with their kitty in their lap, in their slippers and their pajamas. That's awesome for them. So we have to be true to ourselves and then we have to align our work style with our values and the lifestyle that we want. This is great. I, uh, I love this explanation around kind of this tailoring of what you want. And it made me think of my younger sister who's in a nursing program right now. And she's a patient care assistant. And so she works in a children's hospital and she really loves that. And that's her thing is that she likes working with kids. And so I can totally see the full range of you know, working with kids to being on the mountaintop on the helicopter, you know, providing a wide range of things and meeting a lot of different motivations that we might have in our careers. Sure. When I talk to nurses who work, let's say, in pediatric oncology, those nurses often tell me, you know, when I tell people I work with kids with cancer and terminal illnesses, people always look at me with this pitying look like, oh my God, I could never do that. Poor you. And those nurses almost to a person say, I love this work. I love sitting with my pediatric patients, even when they're actively dying. I love being with them, putting a cloth on their head, holding their hand, comforting the mom and dad as they're crying, and helping that child be as 
as fulfilled and pain-free as possible till the very last moment. So for one nurse, her values tell her, that is the place for me. I want to be there at the side of dying children. For someone like me, it's like, oh my God, don't even talk to me about doing that. I could never do that. It would just break my heart. So again, it's all where our values come in and the places where our hearts go. And that's where we should allow ourselves to be led in our careers. But we often get railroaded by other influences that have us choose career paths that maybe go against our values because someone tell, tells us that's what we should do. And that brings me to my next question. What is the best success story you've seen from a nurse whose values are aligned with their work? I could talk to you for several hours about success stories. So one would be my very, very, very dear friend, Dr. Renee Thompson. She is a doctorally prepared nurse. She has worked in oncology and all sorts of very, very intense forms of acute care nursing. However, right now she has her own consulting firm and she started an institute called the Healthy Workforce Institute. And what she has found, her sweet spot, is doing something that most of your listeners probably think wouldn't even need to be done, but it needs to be done. And her job, one of her main jobs in missions, is to eradicate bullying and incivility from the profession of nursing. And when I tell lay people that, they say, what? They can't believe that nurses bully each other. But I can tell you unequivocally, and the research shows it too, that Bullying is a scourge on the nursing profession and even drives a lot of nurses out of the profession. So Renee, Dr. Thompson, has dedicated herself, one, to eradicating bullying from as many institutions as she can, and also bringing in other specialists to help workplaces, healthcare workplaces, create value-driven healthcare workplaces where people can work in a way that's healthy and that is aligned with their values and the way that we feel 21st century healthcare should be, should be delivered and practiced. So there's a success story for you, someone who's a clinician but saw a need and went out there and filled that need. And it's a sad need to fulfill, but it's good work that needs to be done. And that is aligned with Renee's values because she was a CNO and a director of nursing and a chief nursing officer and all those other things. And she saw the good, bad, and ugly, and she's like, well, I'm going to go after the ugly. <laughs> so, And that speaks to her values, right? So there's one success story. Another success story would be a nurse friend of mine who became a nurse practitioner not long ago, and she's now doing a PhD program in integrative medicine. That is actually one of those places where a lot of nurses are flocking now integrative medicine, functional medicine, where we're not just treating the symptoms, where we're looking at the patient in a much more holistic manner. And my friend who's doing her PhD now, she works as a nurse practitioner, but once she gets her PhD, she really wants to go much bigger in terms of impacting the health of much bigger populations than just one person at a time. And one of her areas she wants to work with her fiance, who's now studying to become a nurse, is to help vets, war veterans who have PTSD and trauma. They want to do work with them to help them reassess their lives and live healthier lives. 
So there's some very value-driven work right there from two different people who I highly respect and love. Those are great. Keith, how can our listeners continue to follow you and your good work? Well, the easiest place is nursekeith.com. That's the clearinghouse for all things Nurse Keith. They can find my podcast there, my blog. They can also find links to all my social media. My podcast is called The Nurse Keith Show, and I do have guests who I interview. You will be one of those guests not long from this day when we're recording. (laughs) And I have all sorts of people, mostly healthcare providers, but I'm branching out beyond, like with people as such as yourself. And so that podcast is now well over 200 episodes, and there's plenty of fodder there for people who want to listen in. And for people who are looking for career guidance, there's plenty there that can actually be translated to other professions and careers as well, because a lot of career stuff is pretty universal. And I'm on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram, so people can find me there as well. Keith, this has been a great conversation. So insightful. Thank you. Thank you, Jacob. It's really a pleasure and an honor. And if anyone out there wants to contact me, they can feel free to email me at keith at nursekeith.com or just fill out the contact page on my website. I'd be happy to have a chat with them. Perfect. And we'll get those links posted in the show notes of the podcast too. And for everybody tuning in, we'll see you next week for another episode. Thanks again, Keith. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Discover Your Values podcast. Are you ready to explore your values and create your best life? Visit discoveryourvalues.com and download our workbook to begin your journey.